0: Hello!
1: Hello! It's
0: Kawaii Cast.
1: I'm Candace. And I'm Tyler. And welcome to this week's podcast. Yeah. So we are back.
0: Hooray!
1: Um, this season's been slow. It has. So we're gonna do another one of our favorite types of episodes, which is Movie Night. Woohoo! Before we get into that, though, let's talk about our anime news.
0: Uh, so I just have a couple things, nothing really important, um... <laughs> If you were a fan of the light novel, Reborn as a Vending Machine, now I wander the dungeon.
1: It's getting an anime. It's getting an anime.
0: (laughs) Yep. I personally kind of feel like that light novel is only popular as a joke. I don't know. I haven't read it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe it's actually good.
1: I, I think a lot of people felt the same way about So I'm a Spider, So What, too. And it ended up being great. Well, the light novels did.
0: The light novels were great. Yeah. And I'll leave it at that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We had Smile Fest over the week, which is uh, Good Smiles Big Figure Collection Expo, showing off what they're going to be selling over the next year or two. And they're coming for my wallet. Sure are. So everything I ever wanted.
0: They've got your wallet's name. It's
1: true. They're just like, we know this person. We Put did.
0: out a hit on that stuff. They
1: did. Oh my god. <laughs> there was so much. There was so much. Because I was feeling cocky because we had, like, One Hobby and we had, like, all the other figure companies, like, releasing. their like... Expos or whatever. And I'm just like, these are pretty cool. There's maybe one or two things that I might pick up if I have extra money. And then Smile Fest was just like, we have this one on Target. Yeah, so they they locked me in. Uh, I will be broke. Yep. Yeah. You had a second piece of news?
0: Uh, My second piece of news is Crunchyroll has bought in the rights or bought in Right Stuff Anime. Yep. And since that happened, Right Stuff Anime has now stopped selling their adult merchandise. Yep. So, I mean, we kind of figured that's what would happen, but yeah, it's it's happened.
1: Yeah, unfortunately. Like, capitalism. (laughs) So, my final piece of news. uh, This will be a lot bigger by the time this episode goes up. But at the time of recording, there is currently a countdown timer on the Haikyuu official website.
0: Oh yeah, I do remember seeing something about that. Yeah,
1: counting down to some kind of big announcement, which there's only like one thing I could think of that Haiku could be announcing at this point. A movie? They've already announced everything else. Oh, God, if it's a movie, I'm going to be a little upset. It needs to be another season. <laughs> we need the Battle of the Junkyard. Please give us the Battle of the Junkyard.
0: I know. It's going to be a series of movies. It's going to be three <laughs> movies in a row.
1: So it was only a five-day countdown, unlike when Mob Psycho 100 did their, their countdown that was actually 100.
0: Yes, fantastic. Which was
1: amazing, only to announce that it was uh, the final season. Yeah. And everybody knew that's what the announcement was going to be. So here's hoping that we have the Battle of the Junkyard announced in season form by the time this episode goes live. Yeah. Yep. So there was a bunch of uh, anime announcements this week, but I think that's the big one that I care about. So
0: with Yeah, them. I saw a few others, but nothing that really caught my eye.
1: Yeah, like they did drop the OP for the new season of Mob Psycho and they dropped a new trailer for Chainsaw Man... So, lots of cool stuff for everybody, but let's get into this episode, because this was a really, really fun movie that
0: we watched, mm-hmm. one
1: that I was actually really excited about.
0: I know, I uh, I saw this, and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting, and, uh, well, it wasn't quite what I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it was so much better.
1: It, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was better than what I was expecting, but it at least, like, was at least as good. I went into this without knowing what the story was going to be or anything like that.
0: Same. I I was expecting, uh, like, a kind of a slice of life. Mm-hmm. You know what? First of all, movie is Pompo the Cinephile.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just, so, just so that's Pompo out of the way. Pompo the
1: Cinephile.
0: So, so, I was expecting, like, a slice of life... Uh, about, like, kind of amateur, you know, like, filmmakers. You mm-hmm. know, like, basically kids who just want to, like, make a movie. Yeah. You know? So, so kind of something like, um, keep your hands off azoka Yeah. Is kind of what I was expecting.
1: I think the thing I was expecting was something similar, except... Cinephile usually refers to somebody that's a major movie buff or somebody that's just obsessed with films. So I wasn't even really thinking like filmmakers. I was thinking that this was going to be about like two teenagers that like become amateur movie reviewers. And I thought we were going to get like a lot of like film references. throughout it like they were going to talk about these are the classics these are the best directors and we were going to get like funny names that are clear parodies of like actual like real actors and directors and stuff like that right like quentin tarantino would have been tintin quarantino
0: yeah exactly
1: (laughs) (laughs) stuff like that so what we got i do think like i said i don't know if it was better than what i was imagining but it's at least like on par with what i was imagining So, Pombo the Cinephile is about a, basically, a legendary film producer, like, who has, like, this great connection, has connections all over the film industry, and she's only, like, in middle school, basically. And the reason she has all these famous connections is because her grandfather was, like, the greatest producer that this, you know, the film industry has ever seen. Uh... The movie takes place in a fictional version of Hollywood called Njollywood. All of the Oscars are shaped like cats, and I all know. of the stars so on fantastic. the Walk of Fame are shaped like cats. I love it. So you don't get a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you get a cat on the Njollywood <laughs> walk, walk of Fame.
0: <laughs> <Nyan.
1: Njallywood. laughs> So yeah, so this does take place in a fictional version of America, where instead of Hollywood, it's Nyallywood. And Bompo is said producer, who's in middle school, and she's become, like, really well known for all of her connections, and being able to find, like, true, like, gems in the rough, and being able to spot talent with, you know, that nobody else has recognized yet. But she seems to really, really appreciate more, like, B-films than anything that would be like considered mainstream
0: I I love her she says like at least once she's like oh yeah you give me an actress hot enough and I can make any movie a good one yeah (laughs) you know like I can make any movie any script a good movie a
1: movie is guaranteed to be a success if your leading star is attractive enough
0: yeah exactly it's like what the fuck
1: yeah (laughs) So she does have kind of like this twisted perspective of film. Like she doesn't really go into like... It, it almost feels like her appreciation of film is extremely niche because she just tries to find like the more obscure things to appreciate about the industry and the way that films work. And she has a very strong opinion that films shouldn't be longer than 90 minutes because you should be able to tell an entire story in a short amount of time. Instead of making people sit through a long film with extra details that are just unnecessary. Yeah. And she's a bit eccentric in that case.
0: Well, I mean, she kind of has good reason to. Uh, She, you know, she mentions that, you know, in, in her past she was raised by her grandfather, who was this, you know, legendary producer. And... He kind of just made her watch a bunch of movies, you know, he'd, he'd like sit her down and watch a bunch of movies with her. And as a little kid, you don't have the attention span to watch a three, four hour Lord of the Rings extended edition bullshit, you I know? was her age when I got into Lord <laughs> of the Rings, it was my favorite film, like, ever. <laughs> But, like, that's what I'm saying. You know, most kids don't have the attention span for that.
1: Yeah, and I do appreciate that that is a major part of her character as one of the major themes of the second half of this film is basically how do directors pick what is important to telling their story as opposed to just filling up the film with as much as possible.
0: Yeah. Um, there's inter- I, we'll,
1: we'll get into that. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Uh, That introduces us to our main character, a kid that she basically took in as an intern because, as she put it, he looked like he was dead inside.
0: (laughs) I mean, to be fair, he looks like he hasn't slept in three days. Yeah. Like, throughout the entire film. Yeah, she's like, you've
1: lost that sparkle in your eyes. You seem like you're an absolute loner and that you have never made any real connections with any human being in the world. And that makes you a creative person. It's a compliment.
0: <laughs> it's a compliment. Congratulations. You have dead fish eyes.
1: Yeah, and that's, I like
0: your style.
1: And that's our main character, Jean.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, she has reasoning behind it and, and I kind of understand it because mm-hmm. she's like, Oh yeah, the, you know these people that, you know, are already dead inside basically, you know, kind of live in their own little world, you yeah. know? So like like they create the world around them so they're they're more creative.
1: Yeah. And that's not always necessarily true.
0: No, it's not. But but, but I mean, you can look at a lot of people in like uh the anime community the cosplay community mm-hmm. a lot of us are let's face it depressed yeah so so having that creative outlet you know really really encourages us
1: yeah i do feel like the character gene is definitely a self-insert for a lot of the audience that would be watching this movie Which is a good thing because it means that uh, a lot of people who do enjoy films like this or will enjoy this movie are, like you mentioned, people in the anime community. People that have struggled with making friends and have probably spent a lot of time creating their own world inside their own head. Uh, I will say the one thing that makes it a little bit unrealistic is that in the film industry, it's not really about what you know or how talented or how creative you are, it really is about who you know. And that's the point where Pom po becomes the most important person in Jean's life because she knows everyone. And so this film does do a really good job balancing that idea of, like, here's what dreams and ambition can get you, and here's what knowing people will get you. <laughs> you gotta have both.
0: See, um... I will I will disagree with you there. Um not not just straight up, but but I don't think, and and I will attribute this quote to my high school drama teacher, it's it's not about who you know. It's about who knows you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, like I can claim that I know, you know, famous person such and such, all I want. But, like, if if they don't recognize me and give me the time of day, that's not really a, any sort of a step. Well, I
1: don't know if that... Incl- I don't think that qualifies as knowing them. Then, I think when people say it's not about, like, what you know, it's about who you know, it means you actually know the person.
0: Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> like, like, you can know someone, but then you can also, like... You can, like, they can know you, is, is what I'm saying. Like, like, you can know someone and you can, like, talk casually and, you know, meet up every so often. Technically, you know them. But unless, like, they are willing to, you know, help you out.
1: Yeah, but I think you're, I think you're overthinking the, the term. I think you're overthinking where, like, because it's a really well-known quote in the industry that it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. I I think you're overthinking that. Because the quote basically means that if you, you could be the most talented human being in the world, you could have the best drawing skills, you can know everything about animation, you can know everything about film, you can have, like, spent years studying the craft, knowing everything you can... But if you don't have any foot in the door, you're not going to get that foot in the door. Nobody's going to open the door for you. There has to be somebody in the industry that can pull you into the room.
0: Yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. Is that yeah. is the that is the person and that's that what the, knows you.
1: And that's what the quote means. I think you and your drama teacher are overthinking what the quote <laughs> means.
0: I I disagree. <laughs>
1: Because the quote doesn't mean, oh, well, you can know anybody you want, but if they don't know who you are, it doesn't matter. No, the quote literally means, like, knowing somebody means that they recognize who you are and will get you into the industry. That's literally what the quote means. You're overthinking the quote.
0: I, I disagree.
1: I You would because you're overthinking it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it. Says someone who is normally the one who yeah, overthinks everything. As somebody
1: who is used to overthinking things, <laughs> I recognize when somebody is overthinking something and disagree. you and your drama teacher overthinking this. Disagree. I I don't think your drama teacher is really somebody who could stand up to literally one of the most famous quotes in the industry.
0: (laughs) Uh, Either
1: way, the point being... Anyways. Pompo is the character that knows people. And they know her, too.
0: Exactly. They that's, know that's, her, too. They know her, too. That's what I'm saying. It's but like... the
1: whole point isn't that, like, everybody knows who Pompo is. The point is that Pompo knows who to go to, and she recognizes people, and she flatters people in that industry. She puts the foot forward, and she's the one that pulls people into the door. Like, she she is the one who knows everyone, and that's usually what me- people mean when they say so-and-so knows people. They don't mean, oh, they... They met Brad Pitt at a dinner once. <laughs> they mean they like, they know Brad Pitt. They hang out with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt has worked with them before. <laughs> that is what it means. Is what they mean. Whatever. <laughs> so anyway, so Pombo knows everybody in the industry. She gained all of her connections because her grandfather was a legend. He he worked in the industry for a long time. He made particular actors famous and made them a lot of money. So, of course, they're going to want to work with his granddaughter as well. And, well, it
0: mentions that, like, he also basically handed the reins to her. Like, yeah. like he was just like, yeah, I'm retiring. Uh, Pompo here can deal with my Here's shit. my contact
1: list. But, um... Because of that, Gene does get a foot in the door, because he starts working for an actual film industry, mostly as an intern, but the biggest thing is that he works with somebody that sees that potential in him and wants to hand him over, you know, the reins to do more stuff. She sees him as being a potential creative person, and it starts with her asking him to edit a teaser trailer for a film that they just finished working on. And this is like Sharknado levels of stupid B-list film. And he's supposed to make an action teaser trailer that will get people into the box office to go see it. And I'm not going to lie to you guys, the trailer sucked.
0: It was was so bad. Honestly, watching that trailer just made me think of Two-Headed Shark Attack. Yeah. I was like, this is really... Bad.
1: Yeah. It was definitely a B list trailer. This is not a trailer that would play in a movie theater.
0: Which which is really funny because like and it mentions that Pompo really does only do B list movies. hmm Even though like she could obviously do like a, a you know Emmy winner or whatever. Like yeah. she could she could make these, you know, really big, you know, A movies.
1: Yeah. So, Pompo ends up writing a screenplay for a film that she has always wanted to see. Like, something that she feels like is a film that she would make if she were a filmmaker. But she finds it very important that she doesn't want to be the one making the film because she wants to see it. She doesn't want... If she makes it, she's not going to watch it. You know, because she's not going to have that fresh perspective. She wants somebody to make it for her so she could enjoy it. And this film is called The Maestro. Which she ends up calling in a favor from the greatest actor <laughs> in the entire world,
0: and, Martin. Yeah, Braddock. I think is what his name uh, was.
1: I think it's like Brando or something. Uh, Martin Braddock. Yeah. Who is based off of uh Martin Brando. Yeah. Yeah. But and then co-starring that is a completely unheard of actress who literally like this is her big break like she's never acted before in her entire life yeah and but
0: her dream was to be even even to the point that you know her you know it shows a scene with her uh, uh, in an acting coach yeah you know and the coach is like wrong wrong
1: yeah but her dream is to be a big yollywood star so this is this is her big break yeah and it's, this is a big production for first time, especially coming from a studio that makes basically straight to DVD type movies, straight to Netflix. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or straight Netflix
0: exclusive. Straight
1: to Neonflix.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, so this is gonna be like a major film, and she gives Gene Reigns to be the director of the film, so it's his. Uh, director debut, this actress's uh, like acting debut, and then the most famous actor in this entire world, who has been out of commission for over ten years because he has yet to see a screenplay that has captured him enough to want to be in the movie. Yeah. So he he hasn't been in a single film in over ten years. So this is like his return to film.
0: Uh, it seems like it took a little bit of persu waiting from uh pompo's grandfather
1: yeah <laughs> to get
0: him to be in the movie as well called
1: in a favor yep yeah so yeah basically the movie that they're making is about a washed up uh conductor who ends up basically taking an away trip to kind of clear his head only to find his inspiration to become a great musician again. So, kind of the most, like, cliché... Super
0: fucking cliché movie.
1: But the thing that captures Gene's imagination about this film is that the characters are extremely unique and relatable, and the fact that they manage to get two actors who can absolutely carry those roles and could capture the audience's imagination, it's something that Jean's really excited to be a part of. And we get to see kind of the creative process that goes into the filmmaking, where even though they have a set script, we see them go off script a lot or change things or add scenes in the moment to deal with changes of weather, changes of scenery, uh accidents happen, like they don't have enough goats for one scene, which I'm curious what the original scene was supposed to be, if they really needed all those goats.
0: That was a goat stampede. Goat stampede. Obviously.
1: <laughs> but yeah, like in the end they end up changing the scene to be kind of like a horror movie scene with goats. Which I don't think that scene even made it into the final film. Yeah. So we get to see, like, kind of the creative process of the actual filming itself, which I will say a lot of it is a bit inaccurate to actually how a real film set would work. Because a lot of it was extremely dangerous for the actors. Particularly choosing to just do an entire scene in the middle of a rainstorm. Just improvised. And especially making an actor literally build a roof during a rainstorm right
0: repair repair that roof and then fall off it yeah although that was his idea so
1: and i'm also really impressed that they were getting a lot of these shots like on the first take so yeah it's not a very realistic depiction of how an actual film set would work But it's a very fantasy film about making a film, so we'll let it slide a little bit. Yeah. The bulk of the movie really boils down to the post-production part, where Gene, normally a director, would not be put in charge of editing their own film. Usually they would have an editing studio take care of that, and maybe later the film would get a director's cut, like what we got with Justice League. But in this case... uh. Pompo felt it was really, really important for Gene to be the editor of his own film.
0: Yeah. um, That being said, the director does still have some... Like, he does still have say in in cuts, even when he's not doing it himself. Yeah. Like, edits.
1: But we do see, like, how different a director's perspective can be, even in real films. Like I mentioned with Justice League, the Zack Snyder cut is a completely different film than what we got originally. It just proves that like, editing really is a majority of the creative process. And a lot of that, I think, was really well represented in this movie. The fact that Gene spends so much of his, uh, basically, deadline just working on the first part of the film before the character even, like becomes like an unsuccessful
0: become before he becomes a, a has been yeah you know and, and going then in, mostly into his tr-
1: backstory
0: yeah and, and meaning
1: the main actress of the film doesn't even make it into the film until over an hour into it yeah and he's like this film's gonna be way too long if I keep all of this stuff in but all of it feels really important and just the amount of mental stress like that idea that you have to detach yourself from all those memories you made when you were on the set because you need to be able to get everything down to what will make this a good film, which usually is the reason why they do bring in another team for post-production because they don't have any of that bias towards this clips. They usually have an idea of what the framework of the film should look like and they try to cut it down to what that film should look like. But since Gene was the director, he has a lot of sentimental attachment to a lot of these moments, but he has to put his art first. Yeah. And I I loved how this film told that story of him having to push himself to become a true artist and how it might make a lot of people upset and that it would it's a major risk to do this, to become that kind of person that's willing to cut so much from your film. What do you leave on the cutting room floor, and what is it that the audience is never going to see? These really beautiful moments that you shot that are just never going to be shown again.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and it really does become difficult, because like you said, you have that emotional attachment. You might feel that everything is important... But, like, obviously you can't make a 72-hour film. Yeah. You know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it does get to the point where the major climax of the film is where he realizes that Ponpo's original vision that she wrote in her screenplay isn't the film that he wants the final product to be. And he basically has to beg her to push back the deadline for their film so they can reshoot...
0: An extra scene. One more scene. Yeah.
1: And completely recast a new actor for that scene. Something that is risky, even when the film is being made by, like, really well known people. Like, a really, like, high grade director would have a hard time making those kind of requests to a producer. (laughs) Let,
0: Let alone, uh,. A director debut, director, debut director, with a debut actress. Yeah. No matter how popular or how legendary your your greatest actor in the world is, that's come out of retirement from in ten years.
1: Yeah. And so that brings us to the subplot, which is capitalism. Yeah. Uh, at some point during the filming process, he runs into an old acquaintance in high school, who was actually his school bully who told him, you know, you need to get your head out of the clouds and look where you're going and blah, blah, blah. Only to turn out he ended up at some dead-end job at the bank that he doesn't even like. and.
0: It... See, I don't know if it was necessarily his school bully. I think, I think it was, you know, kind of a passing thing of like, yeah, they were high school students. Together and but they knew
1: each other. They knew and, each other well enough that they knew each other's names.
0: Yeah, but he he didn't come across as a bully. Like, it was, it was one instance of, like, okay, you know, like, he kind of feigns interest at first, you know, until he finds out that, you know, Gene's writing in the notebook about film. And then he's like, uh film, never mind, fuck Ew, you. Ew, gross, gross, art. Ew, you know, creativity. I'm not going to have any of that, yeah. you know? And he just kind of shuns him. I don't think it was, like, a bully situation. Maybe it
1: felt a little bully-ish, but... Anyway, so... Turns out he ended up with some dead-end job at the bank, only to find out that his bank was one of the people pulling their funds from helping his film reshoot the scene. And so he's like, Oh my god, this is my opportunity to make up for that time I shunned his notebook. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, it shows basically this character going through a lot of things that would definitely get you fired. See,
0: no, no, <laughs> like, like I, I still think uh, that was an out for him. He wasn't happy in his job, and he was like, okay, I have a situation where I can help out someone who seems passionate about their their future projects, and well it doesn't go my way i can help him out and i get fired fuck me i didn't want to be here anyways okay
1: but when he they (laughs) did tell him to go clear his desk he was started getting really upset and crying so i think it wasn't about him wanting to keep his job at the bank but it was just one of those like if i fail we both fail together situations so he didn't want to fail because that means his friend would have failed too yeah So, if if he got fired from the bank, then Gene would have failed, too. But, yeah, he did a lot of crazy stunts that would definitely get you fired from your job. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, fuck you, capitalism. And then, I won't spoil it for you guys, what he pulls off, but then...
0: Oh, yeah, no, what he pulled off, honestly, like, even though it succeeded in the end,
1: That would get you fired.
0: Yeah, one, it would get you fired. And two, you would probably get sued by your employer.
1: Probably. But yeah, so he does a lot of crazy shit. And then the bank is suddenly like, we're on board. And they all throw their papers in the air. And they're like, capitalism wins again.
0: Right?
1: (laughs) The system works as long as you're willing to blackmail them.
0: That's right.
1: Capitalism. So Gene gets to finish his film,
0: Also, and it's amazing. One one important lesson we learned from this movie is in order to succeed, you need to throw away your friends, your family, all your hobbies, <laughs> anything that isn't what you want to succeed Sleep.
1: at. Sleep. Sleep. when the doctor tells you you need to rest say screw you doctor i have to edit my film
0: that's right rip that IV out
1: i am going for the academy award
0: don't rip out the catheter though that's <laughs> not a good idea
1: <laughs> <laughs> i need i need that academy award what are they called in this world
0: Instead of the Oscars, it's got to be something cat pun. I I can't remember what they called it. I don't
1: think they called it anything. We need to come up with something. It's got to be a cat pun. (laughs)
0: Um, The Mewmies.
1: The Mewmies.
0: (laughs) It's like an Emmy.
1: (laughs) Speaking of cats. Do you mind? Shad. He's literally chewing on the charger for the laptop. Yeah. <laughs> he's lucky he's cute. We quit that. <laughs> he's going to be a Njallywood star. <laughs> Podcat.
0: Strikes again.
1: Coming this summer. Podcat. <laughs> <laughs> starring Podcat. Also starring Topaz. Pants. <laughs> yeah.
0: Silly kitties. Silly kitties.
1: I mean, I think a movie about your cats would be really successful because look how successful Stray was. Right. And the main cat in that is basically your cat.
0: (laughs) Pretty much.
1: (laughs) Except with more teeth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No white chin. Yeah. That's all right.
1: So, yeah, I love... I love how much this movie really does go into... How passionate people have to be in order to kind of find the things that they care about a lot of the really more positive lessons about this is to make art for somebody specific don't try to make everybody happy because if you do you're not going to have any kind of focus
0: yeah um one one great piece of advice especially like for creators that this movie does say is like Figure out who you're creating this for.
1: So that way you'll you be know? focused.
0: So you'll be focused. And, like, and your and your movie will have focus. If, if you try to please everyone, you will fail. Yeah. Figure out that one person you want this movie to be for.
1: I like that that advice comes from the director that made a movie about a giant octopus... Attacking a beach full of people, and I think s- there was
0: also a giant crab.
1: Yeah, and the sexy <laughs> bikini girl pulls out an like a like a machine gun and starts shooting <laughs> right. down the giant. Right, C-monsters.
0: just pulls out like an AK-47. Yeah, or whatever. he knew
1: who his audience was. To be fair, he was making that movie for himself.
0: Right. <laughs> and the legendary producer grandpa of Pompo. Yeah. Because he came out of that screening and he was like, man, that was a lot of cute butts. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he knew who was, he was making that film for. Say what you want. All right. But yeah, so it's actually genuinely good advice. Just ultimately, if I and could... And
0: o- one day we'll find out who we're making this for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> making this podcast for you, listener.
0: Yeah. Whoever you are. All seven of you.
1: Uh, I want to point out the fact that I appreciate the fact that the characters in this movie, because this is supposed to be like a fictional version of America. Uh, almost all of the characters in this movie had American names. Yeah. I appreciate that so much. There are so many anime that I watch that are just like, this is supposed to be America. And this is the typical American character, K. <laughs>
0: Oh man, this is America! I'm- I'm glad to meet you, American Nobunaga. (laughs) Like, whatever your last name- like, Shinobu?
1: Yeah, like... I'm trying to think of a really specific example. I know there was like one anime that took place in America, and I remember watching it, and I'm like, the names weren't Japanese, but they definitely weren't American either?
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm just like, what the fuck are these names? Like I think probably the closest I've seen to an anime actually having an American name for an American character was Keith Bandit from Yu-Gi-Oh and I think that was 4Kids who came up with that name, not the original mangaka. Yeah. And Keith Bandit sounds like the most like stereotype American bullshit name I've ever that heard in my entire Keith, life.
0: Keith <laughs> Keith Bandit sounds like the alias you would come up with to be Playing an American,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so does Joey Wheeler. To be fair,
0: yeah, that's true.
1: I'm Joey Wheeler. So yeah, this movie actually having American characters with American names was genuinely a fresh, a breath of fresh air. And I think even uh, Ponpo, I don't think that's even her real name. I, th- I was looking up like the Wikipedia, and I think she actually has a different name.
0: Uh, yeah, I think. Uh... Pompo is a uh, play on her last name. It's yeah. like Pom-Pompo Net or something like that. Like, yeah. I don't know the last name, but it's like Joel D something. Yeah, I was going to say,
1: I think her, fir- her first name was like Joel or Joel. Yeah. Yeah, so she also has an American name. Same with the main actress who's uh, Natalie, you know, and we get Jean and... Yeah, like, lots of... And Martin. Martin, yeah. Lots of actual American names that genuinely sound like people that you would meet today. Yeah. The only thing that felt really Japanese, though, like... It did take me out a little bit, is a lot of the formalities that they use in the film. Like, you can tell the, the directors and writers of this movie are still very used to, like, Japanese customs. Like, the bank scene, for example... The guy straight up bows to his bosses. Yeah, there's there's a lot as of as like a formal bowing. apology.
0: There's uh, several instances of you know people prostrating themselves, you know, and when they're begging, like I beg of you, please, you know, face on the ground, yeah, everything. Like that's that's not really an American thing.
1: Yeah, so a uh, American equivalent that I think would be a stereotype is like something you see in like western cartoons where they're on their knees and they're like look like they're praying to yeah. the person that's more of an american thing as opposed to bowing so i think they would be fine if they did that like the groveling but not the not the proper bowing so yeah yeah it does take me a little bit out of the setting because of that, but at least I think for the most part this very ha- this had a very American setting. Yeah. But with a cat filter, which to be fair, everything American should have cat filter on it.
0: I know we should change all of our city names to yeah. to match cat names.
1: Although uh, Hollywood wouldn't become Nyaliwood because Nya is a very Japanese thing. It it would be like Meowie Wood. Yeah. Yeah. So. Tobin City.
0: Tobin City.
1: <laughs> Tobin, California.
0: New York.
1: New York?! <laughs> so yeah, New is also very, very Japanese. But there is something incredibly beautiful. Uh, I am going to spoil one of the best lines in the movie, which is the last line in the entire movie. So if you guys are convinced that this is going to be a good film, go ahead and go watch it now and then come back to, like, this little last segment because this is the true piece of art that is this movie. This is the true, like, nerd Inception moment. So thank you for listening. If you're going to watch the film... uh, Go check it out. Come back as soon as you're done. So with that, (laughs) um, the very last line in the movie is... Uh, Gene accepting his Academy Award for best film and the announcer asks him like if you could pick one thing from your movie what that's your favorite thing what would it be and by the way nobody at the Academy Awards would ever ask you a question during your acceptance speech. yeah no it's
0: it's an acceptance speech it's, it's not, not an, an interview. it's <laughs> not an acceptance interview yeah <laughs>
1: but it's still kind of a funny thing so she asks like pick one thing that's like your favorite thing about the movie and he's like sitting there thinking about it for a while and he thinks back to uh how she mentioned that she feels like a film should never be longer than 90 minutes because it needs to condense everything down and tell a story and he just kind of grins and he's like this movie was exactly 90 minutes long yeah and it's pretty great. I looked it up on Wikipedia. Uh, apparently I wasn't the only person who was curious about this, but somebody asked, like, how long is this movie? and the movie itself is exactly ninety minutes. Yep. So it was a bit of a nerdy film inception moment there. Uh Kinda of, kind of a director stroking his own ego moment a right.
0: little bit. But Ha <laughs> ah, ah, yes. <laughs> director, uh man, he was a really good guy. I can't believe it. You know, he just so fantastic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh fun inside joke from the editing team, I'm sure. Uh um,
0: I I found this entire movie unrealistic just for one thing. Yeah. The delete key wasn't worn down.
1: Yeah, the delete key was the real hero of the story. I
0: mean, let's face it. The real MVP. That that delete key would have gamer keyboard (laughs) syndrome, okay? He he
1: gave the Academy Award (laughs) to the delete key. (laughs) Right. So. But yeah, really fun film. Highly recommend. Probably one of my favorite films that we've watched this year, and we've watched some really good ones. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites. I really liked this one.
1: Yeah, I think if you're going to only watch one film that came out within the last year, probably make it Bell. But if you've already seen Bell, make it with this one. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, thanks for listening, you guys.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.